0: Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at MarksDailyApple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at PrimalBlueprint.com. Good day, listeners. This is host Brad Kearns, uh, joined by a very special guest all the way from Australia, uh, you will maybe hear in the background these strange jungle animals making a really cool sound. So this guy is so legit. We we pulled him out of the uh, the jungle and into the microphone. It's Kale Brock, author of the Gut Healing Protocol. How are you, Kale? <laughs> thanks brad I'm, I'm doing well except for the um the constant cicadas
1: we just got back from holiday and my girlfriend and i hopped out of the car out the front of the house and the sound it's so piercing you actually have to close the doors and the windows which we don't like doing so um yes this time is a little bit tricky for recording interviews but hopefully this sounds
0: okay what is a cicada what kind of animal
1: it's like a beetle. They look like a big oh. like a big crazy beetle. And just certain times of year they just start, you know, I don't know, yelling at each other in the trees. So um, yeah, they're they're quite an interesting animal. But there's plenty of animals up here where I am, so that's just one of them.
0: Well, it's nice that you're close to nature. You strike me as a really authentic guy. We've been going back and forth with emails and, and watching your videos and deciding that we really needed to bring your message here to uh, the, the North American uh, community because you've had such great success with your book down in Australia. So this book, The Gut Healing Protocol, marks that uh, foray into uh, the U.S. market. And we're so happy to introduce this book. It's for sale at all the major booksellers and online. And I just thought I would get into, uh, most interestingly, uh, of course, we'll talk about the book content, but your journey is fascinating, too. So I want the listeners to sit back and uh, hear about this um this journey that you took toward health and wellness and toward your, your life's calling, especially uh, the the alarming uh, uh, story of your, your heart problems when you were a teenager that kind of uh, kicked off this whole uh, exploration.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's sort of people who have been um, following me for a while have heard me talk about that story because like you said, it it did instigate I suppose what has become a career and, um, lifestyle in, in health and wellness and sort of living a holistic and I'd say naturalistic lifestyle. Um, and you know, when I was, when I was 16, I was actually diagnosed with supraventricular tachycardia, so SVT for short. And, um, that's basically a condition where my heart would go into these episodes of sporadic heartbeat and, um, That would result in me sort of becoming faint and, you know, really, really fatigued. And uh, I'd go a little bit pale. And it would often happen when I was surfing. So I'd get really lightheaded. You know, my arms would just go dead in the water. I couldn't paddle anymore. And in the end, I would almost faint. Now, obviously, that's not. A very good situation to be almost fainting out in the ocean. So we had a couple of episodes where the ambulance came and sort of checked me out, and they were saying that you've got to get this sorted. So we went to a um, cardiologist who said, "Yeah, you've got this uh, SVT, and the only thing we can offer you is an ablation, and an ablation is where they would actually enter my body with something similar to a soldering iron." and burn away a piece of the heart. So they wanted to burn away the sinoatrial node, which is uh, responsible for The electrical communication between the various chambers of the heart, and that was sort of malfunctioning. So they said, "Look, we're going to burn it away." And already that sort of set off some alarm bells for me. I thought, "Hang on, why are we just destroying the thing that's not working? Can't we fix it in any way?" And I remember looking across the desk, and um, my mum was sitting next to me, and I'd sort of been exposed to nutrition ideas at this point. I think it was a vegetarian at the time, and I just said, "Hey." Um, what about nutrition? Is there anything I can do with nutrition? And I remember the cardiologist sort of looked at me down his nose and just sort of went, no, nutrition's got nothing to do with it. Come on, let's get you booked in. And uh, I was at that point that I sort of went, I think there's got to be more to this story than than this guy knows. I don't think he was being, um, I don't think he was lying to me or anything. I just thought that he's been quite dismissive. There has to be a nutritional role because after all, everything we put into our body becomes our body. So I thought, you know, I'm going to do a little bit more research. And long story short, I was introduced to a a very um, capable naturopath of 40 years, so a lot of experience. And she was able to teach me in a very short amount of time, some really uh, basic health principles, which turned things around and sort of set that thread, I guess, of of my journey into, into health and wellness. And then that sort of led to me um, becoming a journalist and I was a TV presenter and always had an interest in health and wellness. And then I guess I landed on the gut and the microbiome. And that's really where I've been the last five or six years is sharing that message. And yeah, it's resulted in all the work you spoke about before.
0: So you just on your own uh, connected the, um, the diagnosis with, with diet and then started turning your attention there, and then uh, when did it uh, get zeroed in on uh, on gut health? I
1: think any foray, any investigation into health and wellness now eventually uh, leads back to um, the gut, invariably leads back to the actions of the gut microbiota. And you know, it's a lot easier to say that now, but I guess back when I started researching in this area, there wasn't as much material out there. There wasn't as much of a momentous um, group of people sharing the gut and microbiome message. So originally when I um, first looked at you know health and wellness, it was just about cleaning up the diet. And I didn't really know exactly what that meant, and it took me a long time to implement things. Um But, you know, initially that that looked like cutting out grains and um, cutting out the dairy very slowly because I was doing nutrition at school, you know, and they were telling me that calcium is really important from dairy and, you know, grains are really important for fiber and these carbohydrates that you need and all these different things. So I I had some conflicting uh, information going on. And um, throughout that time, I was sort of just listening to my body and seeing what how it responded to various changes and I remember going off grains and for the first week I was so tired. I remember standing at work and I was working in a surf shop and I remember standing at work looking at um one of my fellow uh staff members and just going I'm so tired I could fall asleep right now. And that lasted about a week and then after that you know my body started to adapt and started to feel really good and then I sort of went into raw diet and you know sort of experimented around the whole thing and um meanwhile, in that time, by the way, my heart condition had actually come under control. So I was experiencing, originally I was experiencing these arrhythmias, these SVT episodes um, once or twice a week, you know, it was quite regular and it was getting quite concerning. And at that point it sort of had dropped down to once a month maybe. And then over the next sort of six months, I actually had turned that condition around um, naturally without drugs or medication, just, um, or surgery, sorry, and just sort of a basic health, Diet, what I would just call a wholesome sort of Mediterranean-style diet, and um, a few supplements and stuff to, to fill in the missing gaps. And I think with that uh, encouragement from my body, hey, I'm feeling pretty good, Kale. Um, that sort of encouraged me to actually go a little bit further. And um, I think the first time I heard of of gut health was, I think Donna Gates um, of Body Ecology said something like in an interview in an interview with David Wolfe, and said something like. Um, cultured foods and I went, hmm, that sounds really interesting. So from there I started doing, you know, I read – dozens of books. And I took a year off after I finished school and, um, basically took that year to myself to just read. And I read every single day and listened to all the podcasts and just absolutely delved and saturated myself in health and wellness information. And then over time, that sort of been refined into more scientific information and, and listening to and speaking with various doctors and practitioners. You know, I just got off, um, the, I just got off the phone with, um, Professor Thomas Barodi, uh, who was in my film, The Gut Movie, um, and he's a he's a pioneering gastroenterologist who who really pioneered FMT, fecal microbiota transplantation. So that's really where I'm at now is actually getting to the source and seeing what these incredible practitioners are doing to actually sort of heal and reverse, um, gut conditions, which so many people are afflicted with now. So it's been a really interesting ride and I'm, I'm really, really enjoying where I'm at now and in, in terms of just taking on the role of, of storyteller and, uh, the person who's going to be the middleman between the, the hardcore info and then the everyday lingo. Um, so it's been a pretty, yeah, a really, really fun experience.
0: That's very well said, man. I I, I feel the same about uh, you know, working with Mark Sisson and, and, and myself. We're both former jock athletes who were just pushing our bodies and trying to win races, and not in the medical scene or the uh, you know traditional practitioner. Um, but you know, the storytelling aspect is important because I think it gives you that um, impartiality that's crucial that a lot of uh, academicians and medical professionals don't have. They're They're highly, heavily invested in status quo, conventional wisdom. And what I'm seeing is, you know, a resistance to the open mindedness that you need to be a a proper student and someone on a health journey because things are constantly changing and evolving. And so now if you turn on podcast channels, you're hearing a lot of dogma and people uh, espousing a a, a certain, uh, you know, dietary pattern, or even when we get to the exercise realm where we have people touting the, um, you know, the high intensity instead of uh, long, slow aerobic or whatever their position in their corner is. And um, that's what was, you know, really uh, attracted me to your story is that, you know, you had this health condition. It was perplexing. You're a young, healthy guy and you had to figure, it seems like you're figuring everything out on your own, especially in the in the gut scene world, because it's so new anyway. You can't, you know, you can't look to the authorities for decades long doing this because it's so new.
1: Yeah. And I think with anything, there's always going to be change. And that's what I love um, when I come across a, a scientist or, or a practitioner who says we can only make decisions based on what we know now. You know, maybe in the future the the science is going to come out and say we were wrong, and that's okay because that's what science is. Um, but it's key to have that open mindset, like you said, to be able to accept that. <laughs> and, and not a lot of people do. And to be honest, when I first um, got into health and wellness. Uh, I probably became a little bit dogmatic, and I think a lot of people do when they first get it. They get quite anal around food, and they think that, you know, this worked for me, so it should work for everybody. And, you know, it's just a it's just a growing process. And um, we can all, I think the key is, is making informed decisions about your health. And you can't make informed decisions until you're informed. And we're very lucky now to have so much in. <laughs> oh, oh, oh.
0: Hold on, listeners. We got to pull that out as a pull quote. <laughs> you can't make informed decisions Unless you're informed. <laughs> oh, that's that's brilliant,
1: mate. I love it. Thank you. I think I stole that one, so I can't really. Um, but yeah, I, I like the fact now that there is so much info out there. And um, uh, as you would have noticed uh, reading my work, a lot of my work is focused on the fundamental principles of, of for instance, healing the gut or health and wellness in general, because the, the nitty gritties of it and the, the mechanistic Information about how the body works is is still coming about, but we certainly have enough um, anecdotal evidence, at least now, for thousands of years, really, on how to on how to rebalance the body, and we can certainly act on that now. We can't use a lack of science as an excuse to to still eat our chips and whatever. (laughs) We've actually got to start looking after ourselves and living in a naturalistic style, and there are plenty of examples in throughout the world where cultures are living really long, healthy lives. And I think if we um, take what they're doing and sort of um, consider how they eat and how they live and really apply that to our own settings, then that's a really good place to start.
0: And speaking of anecdotal evidence and the the FMT that you mentioned briefly, I'm not sure if listeners are aware of that, but you know, I just have to share a personal story about a elderly family member who had complications after major surgery Uh, contracted the C. diff uh, bacterial infection, which is so uh, severe and kills about 25,000 people a year, most elderly patients in hospitals that contract this uh, antibiotic-resistant infection. And he was fighting for his life in and out of the hospital for seven months and dropping down to 128 pounds at six foot two and, you know, one more attack of C. diff you know, he he was on his last legs and we were investigating this option for FMT. This was several years ago when it wasn't FDA approved. It was actually shut down by the FDA because they didn't have enough information about it. And finally, we squeezed into uh, a practitioner in Oakland, California, Dr. Neil Stolman. I think he's got a book out there. I don't know if you've heard of him. But, um, you know, in a matter of a week with a donation from a healthy younger family member, he got up walked out of the hospital and was completely cured of this infection that almost killed him over several months time and had he gone the traditional medical route there's a very high probability that would have done him in like it does in so many people so mm. um the you know the the breaking uh, science and the anecdotal evidence put together is where our ears start to perk up and i think um we'll get into the content of your book because uh, I feel like myself personally, I might throw in a few personal questions for you, Kale, too, but I think there's a lot of people out there that are suffering from gut dysfunction, don't know it, are already eating super healthy and sort of have a blind spot to the idea that there might be a missing link in their in their big picture approach to health uh, just because they're not eating sugar and, and staying away from the bad oils uh, and crossing their fingers. We're on a whole new frontier here.
1: Yeah, and... I mean, just on that FMT story, I think that's amazing, by the way. And there are so many stories like that now coming out with FMT. Uh, like I said before, I was speaking with Professor Barodi, and um, he was saying how he had someone come in the clinic for their digestive issues. And um, they also had depression, but they treated the digestive issues with an FMT. And, you know, the 30-year depression state disappeared after a week. Um, you know, and, and there are stories... um. He also has three case studies of where um, MS was reversed, you know. And this is like – these are conditions that the conventional medical realm say are completely untreatable and there's nothing you can do but manage them, and yet they're being reversed with an FMT, you know, poo transplant. So there's so much incredible stuff going on, and yet at the same time, like you said, there are people out there who who marvel at this and say um, – well, I've still got gut issues, and I'm following all the advice. You know, I'm eating a primal diet or I'm eating a naturalistic diet in line with my ancestry, and I'm still not um, getting the health results that I want. And I think that's quite a common thing. And certainly, when I was uh, health coaching back, you know, five or six years ago, um, that was something that I saw a lot in in people who came to see me. That say, well you know, I don't eat the sugar. Like you said, I'm I'm off grains. I'm on a gluten-free diet and I eat lots of vegetables and I have my green smoothies and all this sort of stuff. I think what we're looking at is a population who have a very imbalanced microbiome, simply because they've been exposed to things which completely disrupt the population of gut microbiota that they have. So, for instance, we have antibiotics, um, not only antibiotics that we go and take from the doctor, which almost everybody has done, by the way, um, but also antibiotics in the food supply, Uh, for instance, in, in our meats, if we're not buying organic meat. And we also have strong antimicrobials in our tap water. So, there are, and we have our radiation everywhere. We have EMFs, which also compromise the gut microbiome. If you read Michael Mosley's book, the latest one that he wrote, um, he talked about the fact that when we fly, our gut microbiome shifts very drastically. When we travel, it shifts very drastically. And that's something I explored um, in, in my documentary how um, the gut microbiome shifts quite dramatically when you go to a new climate and environment. So, Right from the get-go, we've been disrupting our microbiome. We might have been given antibiotics as a child. We might not have had breast milk. There are so many, there's always one factor that each of these people generally can tick off, and if it's nothing they've done, it's often a compromised microbiome which they've inherited from mum because, as you know, a lot of your listeners would know, we do inherit the gut microbiome from mum at birth. And mum's microbiome is a reflection of her lifestyle and diet and her environment, and uh, she wants to pass on all those bacteria to the baby, so that bacteria, so the baby can thrive in that very environment. Um, so it's a very interesting situation, and and importantly. It's not only the good bugs which are passed from mum to baby, it can also be an infection. So there are various things going on and often it takes a very skilled and patient practitioner to um, delve into and actually pinpoint what's going on. But the reality is if you've got gut issues, you've got gut issues. You've got a bit of work to do. So um, that's why within the gut healing protocol, for instance, we often... I often tell people to actually just go back to basics, um, not not so much focus on the fact that what is causing my gut issues, what has caused my gut issues in the past, let's just try and do a reset and see how we go from there. And that's why you know utilizing principles from Dr. Natasha Campbell-McBride, Dr. Perlmutter and all these incredible practitioners, um, we want to pull back the microbiome and sort of reset it with a very basic, very healing diet and you know bringing in the bone broths and, and really cutting out a lot of... Uh, Carbohydrates, even things that can be good for you long term, even cutting them out short term, can actually just give the digestive system a rest in order to find your um, default microbiome again. And that's I was speaking with uh, a microbiologist here in Sydney, uh, John Elliman, who produced a very uh, good probiotic that I'm a big fan of. He's a he's a basically a probiotic scientist, and he was saying how. They thought originally that the probiotic they developed was doing all the work and they thought that you know they were adding in this bacteria into the body and it was it was you know fixing up the body but now they're sort of coming across research where they think that it's more they put in these probiotics the probiotics shift the environment so that your own natural inner templates so or your original default microbiome can actually start to flourish so instead of actually battling against perhaps a an overgrowth of of a detrimental yeast or something that's you know in too high numbers like candida, for instance. By suppressing that, uh, probiotics can allow your natural microbiota to actually come online again. And it's very important because your natural microbiota, and when I say natural microbiota, I mean the, the microbes that you inherited when you were born, they tend to work best with your innate immune system because your immune system was developed in conjunction with them, so it's a very complex system, but making it simple by pulling back the diet to something very basic and allowing the 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 gut to rest um, just looks like uh, how we sort of describe in the book, and that's you know cutting out a lot of carbohydrates temporarily. Uh, so things like even a lot of fruits we we do cut out, except for. Um, tomatoes, lemon, limes, cucumbers, avocados, and uh, focusing on your lots of vegetables. And then if you're having trouble digesting them, cooking them, and or having lots of broths, healing broths, and then also getting specific with your supplementation. So sort of looking at some probiotics, like I said, to shift that environment to something more conducive to a healthy gut, and also um, something to actually help heal the gut lining. So for instance, some maybe some aloe vera or some bovine colostrum or sort of looking at that. And I I I know you guys were actually promoting um, the probiotic with the book before Christmas. Is that still going?
0: Uh, If some listener listens to this show and and, uh, asks about it, I'll I'll have it still going. How about that? That was a pretty good deal. (laughs) It might have closed, but um, you can email or call the customer service line, primalblueprint.com or chat and say, hey, This guy Brad said I could still get the deal. But yeah, we were giving a bottle of uh, the Primal Probiotics with uh, a direct purchase of the book from from primalblueprint.com just to get people in the groove. And so it sounds like um, there's there's a pretty simple strategy. It's not too painful. It's not too expensive where you're just tidying up your diet um, and uh, throwing in a quality probiotic to just get this get this reset effect going. Yeah, and I think when you overcomplicate something,
1: you often throw people off. Um, something that often I found with the GAPS diet, for instance, Dr. Natasha Campbell-McBride was that people were trying it and they just found it too difficult, especially if they were on really early stage GAPS, um, which is basically just broth. And, you know, I wanted to be able to... Um, accept and sort of acknowledge how powerful and how successful that diet has been for a lot of people, but also bring in a lot of the stuff that I had learnt about, um, you know sustainability in a, in a diet and sustainability in someone's health journey because when I was health coaching and certainly what I saw with my own family and all these things but it, the best diet is the one that you can follow for the rest of your life i'd rather you be eighty percent perfect for uh, twenty five years than one hundred percent perfect for twenty five days you know so <laughs> that's really where we where I sort of found that middle ground and and found that by utilizing Principles of those very healing diets, like bone broth and and taking out certain inflammatory foods, um, and adding in things like probiotics and aloe vera and colostrum, which sort of add more health points to your, to your bank balance. Um, it really does become a more sustainable journey. And you know, by having a sort of set period, for instance, eight weeks on the gut healing protocol, I found that you know the results were pretty were pretty astonishing for how simple of a diet that it is. And, you know, some people still find it a little bit restrictive and that's okay because you're allowed to be restrictive for, for a short amount of time. Um, but you know, the majority of people just got incredible results. And, um, for instance, you know, turning around, uh, yeast infections, turning around autoimmune conditions. And, um, obviously I can't make claims and I don't know whether the, the diet itself did that or what they did that did that, but often it was in conjunction with doing a gut healing protocol. So, and again, it's just being open about that, I don't know what it is that that actually caused those sort of health outcomes to occur. But we know that by looking after the gut microbiome and really appreciating how big of an impact it has on their overall body, um, we can certainly expect uh, better health.
0: Well, I also want to get into the holistic part of the the program, uh, as the subtitle says a eight week holistic program to heal your gut and that's uh the real deal and I think it's important because we're so stressed in modern life in so many ways that it's not just about making these these perfect food choices but before uh, I want to ask like what are some symptoms that an otherwise healthy person might be suffering from gut dysfunction i mean uh, someone who's already eating well and, and paying attention to their health, um, rather than you know, uh, someone who's who hasn't taken those baby steps yet.
1: Mm. So I guess I mean anything autoimmune. We're starting to see that the gut microbiome is very much interrelated. Uh, Professor Charles McKay from Sydney University says that any almost any condition which exists now that didn't exist or was less common forty or fifty years ago. Um, Chances are it is relating to the actions of the gut microbiota. So we have, it's almost every week that we see that um, there's another study showing that Alzheimer's or um, dementia or even heart disease are related to gut microbes or depression or anxiety uh, and and all these um, GI cancers and you know there's a, there's a whole plethora of of conditions now which which are being related to the to the gut microbiome i would prefer not to look at a set list and say yep it's it's gut related i would actually prefer to go well chances are my body's going to function a lot better if I have good gut health. And if I'm fighting a disease or I'm fighting an illness or um, I know that I have a gut condition, for instance, it's very clear and tangible. I have gut cramps or I can't digest foods, I burp a lot, my my bowel movements and when I go to the toilet, they're, they're not very nice and they're very, very smelly. Um, those are obviously quite um, tangible signs that you've got gut, gut dysfunction going on. But I, what I would prefer is that a lot of people just or everybody just says, well, it's really important to look after my gut microbiome. And funnily enough, the same principles apply in terms of maintaining a good my- Good gut microbiome and healing a good gut microbiome. The specifics are a little bit different, but the main principles are the same. We want to reduce the inflammation and we want to encourage good bacteria to grow and set a really nice, good environment. So um, I think if you've got any sort of health condition going on, it's always going to be very, very important to look at the gut microbiome. And um, this can be very, very different For everybody, because everybody has different genetics. And, you know, as Dr. Um, Gabriel Cousins says, um, genetics load the gun, lifestyle pulls the trigger. And, you know, how that looks for different people uh, is always going to be quite interesting and complex to work out. You know, for instance, if I have had an overgrowth of a certain bacteria, I might experience stomach ulcers. Uh, If someone else had an overgrowth of that very same bacteria, they might experience, you know, a neurological or a mental illness, you know, it can it can be completely different. So what I would love to see is that everybody sort of appreciates and, and looks after and nourishes their gut microbiome with a good healthy diet every single day. And on top of the dietary side of it and where you were going with the holistic side of it, that's always been a big part of, of my life because um, when I – sorry, my microphone just fell over there. When I started um, looking into this, it was always sort of a – a sort of semi spiritual journey um when i finished school like i said i took a year off and i actually traveled in my uh van i bought a van and chucked my surfboards in the back had a bed in the back and traveled up the east coast of australia surfing for a year so that was really fun and over that time i took a lot of time to sort of discover these very basic things that we can all do to sort of look after the body and that is something as simple as breathing you know something as simple as taking five deep breaths um every day, just taking you know a couple of minutes out of your day to do that, to actually oxygenate the body and to calm the system down. Because we know about the gut-brain connection, um, but we also need to know about the brain-gut connection. When we're stressed, we stop digesting food as well. When we're stressed, we can cause a leaky gut. Um, so we really have to start to look at this holistically, like you said. And you know, exercising, I think, is really important. There's a lot of studies showing that People who exercise have healthier gut microbes, and whether that is um you know people who exercise also eat better, I don't know whether it is, for instance, um that when we exercise we produce lactic acid, which moves into the stomach, which nourishes our lactic acid loving bacteria. we We don't know how that works just yet. Um, but I think you know if you're you're much better off living a holistic, healthy lifestyle than just ticking off the the dietary box. i i my friends and I sort of say that. What this looks like, you're better off um, having a beer with your friends than sitting alone in the corner sipping a green smoothie. <laughs> so and And, you know I'm not an advocate for for drinking too much beer, obviously, but um look at that underlying sort of message that it's very, very important to look at all aspects of life when it comes to healing any condition, uh, because if we're unhappy but we're dietarily healthy, um, it's still going to be very hard to heal.
0: I think I answered your question. Yeah, very nice. Uh, I, have a, I have a quip that I thought of when you, you gave the beer comment, because here in America, <laughs> we used to, uh, there, there was a line floating around when we were coming up on a presidential election many years ago, where they said, uh, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy you'd like to have a beer with, so you should vote for him. And um, maybe that's... Um, Maybe that's not a good use of the beer analogy. In this one, I, I love that. You know, you're 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 having a good time and um and and, and smiling. And you know, we do have to to be serious. Um, this condition of orthorexia in the primal Paleocene, um, which is you know uh, an unhealthy fixation on. Uh, healthy eating and lifestyle practices to the extent that you get stressed if everything's not perfect in your diet one day or you fall off track in some other way and then that stress itself manifests into like you said it can manifest into a gut health problem uh, hormonal imbalances all these things that we're working so hard to try to uh, uh, protect against with our eating exercise lifestyle habits um so if we have this uh, perhaps uh, inflammatory condition or an overgrowth condition in the, in the gut, um, does it manifest with a, 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 a swollen gut or any sort of pain or gas bloating, uh, certain di- uh, digestive symptoms? Um, what do you think?
1: Yeah, it can, like we, we sort of covered, it can manifest in various ways. But I mean, one of the most consistent um, issues that a lot of people have when they have gut dysfunction is a leaky gut. And um, the best analogy I know is, is think of your gut like a fly screen. And a fly screen you know, wants to keep out the bugs and the, and the flies and all these different things and let in the fresh air and all those air nutrients that we need. Um, if, if the fly screen has holes and tears in it, for instance, there's big rips in it, then those flies are going to enter the system. So, for instance, in your gut, if your gut lining has holes and tears in it or, or two large uh, junctions between the gut epithelial, thelium we're going to have undigested food particles moving into the bloodstream. so it's not just uh, it's not just local to the gut this is when um, gut issues and inverted commas can become systemic because the gut is linked to the entire body. So if we, for instance, have something like um, an undigested uh, egg particle, for instance, move into the bloodstream, even though it's an egg, it can be the healthiest, most biodynamic egg you've ever seen in your life if it moves into the bloodstream undigested, the body says, I don't recognize that. That's not in a form that I can use. Um, The blood's not going to digest it further. So what happens is the body says, well, that's an invader. Let's go and get rid of it. So what it does is produce inflammation. And that's a very healthy response for the body to do. It produces inflammation to actually clear out that invader. Now, if that happens so much, that, um, you know, this egg is coming in quite regularly, the body will actually say, okay, well, this is coming quite regularly. We need a system to deal with this. So we're going to develop some antibodies which are very specific to that egg and we're going to go in and get rid of it. Now, this might be the same um Situation for something like gluten, for example, which, by the way, has been shown by Professor Alessio Fasano to actually cause or initiate leaky gut in everybody who consumes it, not just celiacs. So he's saying that if you consume gluten, it'll open up your gut lining, it'll make it leaky for at least three to four hours after you consume it. So we have increased permeability in that gut lining. We have undigested food particles moving into the blood. The um, body says, okay, they're coming in too regularly, let's develop some antibodies or some sort of switches, some keys to go and switch those off as they come in the system because they're coming in too regularly. Now, the problem with that is is that a lot of those molecules, um, particularly on gluten, are very similar to um, molecules and, and different structures in our own body. And when that happens, those antibodies that the body has created um, will also get confused and start to uh, go and attack the body itself, attack those structures which are very similar to the gluten, for instance, and it might attack the thyroid or the joints or the skin. And we would call that Hashimoto's, psoriasis, or arthritis and we often don't connect those issues to the gut so yeah we can have things like cramping and bloating which are signs of you know an, an overgrowth or an imbalance i should say of of gut microbes but when we have that situation going on what we also don't often talk about is the fact that that has an impact on the gut lining. So our gut starts to open up and that starts to release inflammatory molecules into the bloodstream. The body gets inflamed and it starts to it can start to attack itself. So all of a sudden, we have a gut problem that's become systemic. So I want to get past the point where we just go, oh, I don't have a gut issue, my digestion's fine, but I have arthritis. So um, that is, in itself, indicative of gut issues. And there will always be, of course, genetic factors and all these different things, but that is always going to have ties back to the gut microbiome. So one of the most important things we can do is uh, have a look at healing that gut lining because even probiotic bacteria, if we're eating lots of fermented foods, if we're having lots of kombucha, if we have a leaky gut still, Those probiotic bacteria which are meant to stay in the digestive system, if they move into the bloodstream, they're still an invader and they can release LPS, into, which is lipopolysaccharide. Dr. Perlmutter has been doing a lot of work with this um, or sharing a lot of material with this. That can release LPS into the bloodstream, which will travel to the brain and cause inflammation in the brain. We have all sorts of issues that stem from this leaky gut situation. So often the first step in terms of getting on top of these sort of gut issues is... um, to heal and seal the gut lining. So to recreate those tight junctions of the epithelium, going back to the fly screen analogy, we want to repair those holes and tears in that fly screen so that only those micronutrients, so those very small particles of food like essential fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, only they move into the bloodstream because the body can use them because it recognizes them as raw materials. So we stop those undigested food particles moving in the bloodstream Stream immediately, we quell down inflammation. So, one of the best things for a leaky gut is going to be a mixture, it's going to work different for for different people. It's going to be a mixture of things like bone broth, Um, it could be some slippery elm. My favorites are aloe vera and bovine colostrum, those are two of my absolute favorites, and of course, probiotics are going to be very important as well. Once we sort of get on top of that. Gut lining situation, we want to actually look at the population of gut microbes in there. What's going on in there that actually is causing this leaky gut? Uh, And that's when we start to look at taking probiotics and generally uh, the safest probiotic strains to take are going to be those lactobacillus bacteria and those bifidobacterium uh, species and all the strains of those because they work well. They are most prominent when we're born, basically, um, and they tend to work well with our immune system. And whether they are actively changing the population and seething themselves into the gut environment or just shifting the environment so that your own native bacteria can grow, we're not entirely sure on yet. But uh, regardless less probiotics are going to be very important um, in the beginning. And that's, again, how I spoke about fermented foods. Some people say, well, don't you recommend fermented foods for, for gut health? And indeed, I do. But if you've got a leaky gut, the first step is healing that leaky gut and um, avoiding fermented foods for the for the first part. So those are often a lot of the... Um, the sticking points for people when we first start is is what what do I focus on? What am I actually doing when I'm having this bone broth? When I'm supplementing? When I'm taking this aloe vera? This bovine colostrum? Um, so those are the, sort of the main things we actually want to look at when it comes to getting over those gut issues. And yeah, the bloating and stuff, that's a sign of maybe you're not digesting foods, maybe you've got an overgrowth of certain bacteria, and those things will change once you address the underlying situation, once you reestablish a nice, healthy environment um, for your bacteria to grow and, um, doing that means you've got to really pull back on, on the diet. And like we said earlier, you've got to focus on those whole foods, um, easily digested. If you, if you're having trouble with digestion, a lot of bone broth and, um, really cutting out those carbohydrates at least, at least for a while, because even if they're prebiotics, um, if you've got an overgrowth of bad bacteria, they'll feed on the prebiotics as well. So you want to really put them in place first before you, before you go crazy on the, um, on the carrot juice and all these different things
0: right right makes sense i love this screen door analogy with the tears in it um I'm, I'm tripping out on aloe vera and bovine colostrum that's a that's a wild idea man i i don't hear much talk about that so let's get a little more detail there since it's your absolute favorite is there like a a supplement that contains these in a pill form, or do you go buy some strange liquid or two different things? What what's the story?
1: Yeah, I mean aloe vera, you can actually grow and harvest yourself. Uh, I do that when I'm back in um, Adelaide, which is where I was where, where I grew up. Uh, I live in Sydney now, but when I was back there just recently, we've got these massive aloe vera plants out the front, and I often I'll just go out and and grab off a leaf and I'll fillet it. <laughs> you got to fillet aloe vera and um, put put it in my smoothie. And then all the juice, I'll actually scrape off into a bowl and put all over my skin as well. So it's a pretty versatile food. So it's a really good one. It's got a, a nice um, mucilaginous gel, which is quite anti-inflammatory. It's a very, very anti-inflammatory food. And um, Slippery elm is also very good. And actually, I didn't mention this, seaweed is also a very, very good food which acts like aloe vera and is very good at helping um, the gut lining along. Uh, Bovine colostrum, so a lot of people get confused when I say colostrum, they think about breast milk, and it's not human breast milk, don't worry. Uh, Bovine colostrum is the first milk which cows secrete after they give birth to the calf, and uh, once the calf gets its share – they, they come along and they harvest the rest of the colostrum. Now, what's interesting in, in this whole colostrum situation is when we're born, we're actually born with a leaky gut. A lot of people don't know this. We're actually born with a leaky gut. And that's because a lot of the um, important antibodies uh, from mum's breast milk and the important nutrients from mum's breast milk need to move into the bloodstream straight away to actually set up the immune system in the blood. So, it's, it's, we're born with a leaky gut so that um, from our first breast milk, uh, all those important nutrients can move straight into the bloodstream. Now, what's key is that after a while, mum's milk starts to turn a little bit sweet uh, and sugary. And that's when the gut lining starts to close up again and we start to see a healthy sort of mucus develop around the gut lining to sort of set a system in which um, good bacteria can grow. And all those little seedling bacteria that we hear about um, are picked up in a natural birth situation Um all those little guys can actually start to thrive and, and really foster a really nice environment for themselves to actually be sustained and nourished. And so at this time, mum's milk gets sweet and sugary to feed those gut microbes because they thrive off the sugar in mum's milk. Now, going back to where we are now, for instance, you're 60 years old, you're 50 years old, and you're already born, you can't go back and redo that whole process, so what do you do? Bovine colostrum is very similar to um, actually colostrum across all mammals is very similar, so we can reapproximate that experience and use colostrum as a food to start to heal and seal the gut lining again. And you know, I've seen some miraculous uh, health outcomes and and turnarounds using bovine colostrum as a supplement. And you don't need to use much, and it's quite expensive, um, but it's a very 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 powerful supplement in terms of. Um, stimulating the gut lining to heal up again
0: wow and uh such an important note fix that fix that stuff up before you start popping for all the crazy probiotic foods which will just go through the leaks like anything else so Mm. uh, i like that i like that system um let's let's get into um the uh the beams protocol so you can you can wax on a little more about the the importance of a holistic approach, and I—I I should mention myself. Like, I'm trying to connect um, um, disturbances in my intestinal tract with other lifestyle elements besides food. So, you know, stressful personal circumstances or um, excessive exercise patterns, like doing a workout that was maybe got me and it was a little bit too hard. Sometimes I'll notice. Um, you know intestinal digestive pain over the ensuing 24 36 hours uh i think people can relate to um you know the, it's it's their time to go uh speak in public and do their presentation in the conference room and sometimes you uh experience uh, gas bloating uh, intestinal pain like connecting to uh to life stress is there anything to that and then mm. uh talk about the beams for how to uh, integrate that into your digestive into your dietary practices
1: Yeah, so I think that's a really good point, and it's a good way to integrate the the breathing side of things. And um, that's what I used to when I used to go to workplaces. And funnily enough, when I used to go to workplaces, and like you said, get nervous and get (laughs) really um, get the resulting uh, effects of being nervous, I used to go and talk about how to fix that nervousness (laughs) um, in the corporate world. So I came up with a nice little analogy called BEAMS, and um, that just stands for BREATHE. Earth, eat, move, and sunshine. Um, and I haven't actually talked about it in a while, but I'm glad I remembered. So breathing first, and um, this is—I sort of tend to tie around this this beams time around eating. So at least once or twice a day, um, focusing on taking a moment before you eat to just come back to to center and really. Um, get your body and get your mind into a into a state where optimal digestion is going to be possible. So you want to breathe. So B, B is breathe. And that's just to take five deep diaphragmatic breaths, so breathing into your belly and holding it for three or four seconds so you actually absorb all the oxygen before you um, start your meal. Uh, earth, we, we talk, I haven't talked about this much, but that's just earthing. So um, generally, I, I really used to emphasize that for people who um, – Worked in an office environment. For me, it's very easy because I get to surf every day and I get to sort of go out and do my thing on the on the beach or go for walks and stuff. Um, whereas for someone who works a typical nine to five job, I'm aware it's a very common thing. Um, it's it's a little bit trickier to do. So I used to tell people to either buy an earthing mat um, so they could sit it under their desk, or actually, even better, I think, go outdoors and get your bare feet on the ground. And it you know it sounds a little bit esoteric and weird, but Um, in Australia particularly, I think it's a little bit more normal because you can just rip off your shoes and and nobody cares because everywhere, everyone wears thongs and stuff. Anyway, actually you guys don't call them thongs, um, flip flops. You're probably thinking of different thong. (laughs)
0: Sorry. So, um, we call them thongs too. Don't worry. Oh, you do. Okay. Thongs are, thongs are good all around, you know, loosen up, (laughs) loosen up a little bit, have some fun in life, touch the earth. I love it.
1: Yeah. So getting outdoors and really touching the ground to actually, you know, um, center yourself and and bring some electrons, some free electrons and antioxidants into the body is a really good thing. Then uh, we come to, so we've got breathe, we've got earth, we've got eat. So we've got um, the the E, which is eat. And of course, we, we know how to eat. Everybody knows how to eat. But once you've done that breathing and that earthing, generally people start to eat a lot slower and a lot more mindfully, which is really important. Um, once we've eaten, we want to move a little bit. We don't want to do any strenuous exercise after we've eaten, but uh, generally walking, is a really good way to balance our blood sugar and to assist digestion. Um, so that's the move part of it, and then the S, of course, is is sunshine. So generally, we tell people to go move in the sunshine and really absorb some vitamin D and, and remind your body that it's daytime and you're meant to be awake and alive, and that will actually help optimize your digestion as well because we know that the digestion works in with your circadian rhythm. So optimizing that is a is a really good thing. So I think um, you know the. The, the point of all that is to emphasize the fact that this is a holistic journey, and that's why I think the gut healing protocol has probably done so well, is because when you um, make it a holistic experience, generally uh, people get the results that they're actually after, Uh, rather than just giving them a dietary or on the flip side, just an exercise regime. Incorporating it all together with some good holistic lifestyle principles really tends to tick all the boxes. And um, at the same time, it gets people talking and and sharing. And um, yeah, it's I think it it works really well.
0: Well, Kale, I know we got to wrap up pretty soon. And I feel like this has gone really well. And it's coming out just like uh, the actual content of the book because what's so great about the book is it has all these practical steps and the eight-week guide but it also gives you this background this education just like you've given us these very memorable tidbits about uh, the baby being born with a leaky gut and then tightening it up as the the composition of the mother's milk changes fascinating stuff and and great to understand uh, how we can address these things even for healthy people with who are getting you know uh, uh Nine stars out of ten on all these other lifestyle elements, but maybe uh, missing a little bit here in this this all important one. Uh, but I also want to get into uh, this incredible uh, journalistic experience you've you've just wrapped up uh, and are now screening this movie, the Gut Movie. Uh, it's been playing to sold out shows all over Australia. Mm. I want to ask you if you're coming to the states anytime soon, and just tell us about this amazing journey that you took to Namibia to film this documentary.
1: Yeah. So I guess the one of the first books that I, I wrote was, um, or one of the first projects I did was, was the Gut Healing Protocol and then have been refining it over the last three or four years. Uh, on top of the Gut Healing Protocol, there were a lot of Opportunities for me to speak with experts, and I love doing that. I love speaking with experts, and I loved podcasting when I was when I was podcasting. And um, more than podcasting, I love video and, and interviews in person. I love sitting across from someone and learning from them. So we um, originally I did the Gut Healing Summit, which we did as an online event, and then. Um, out of the gut healing summit i realized that there i had so many questions so many more questions about the gut microbiome and really where medicine was going what was what was going to happen with with everything and and how interesting was this fmt stuff going on so Well, I decided to put together a a documentary, uh, a film about it, uh, called The Gut Movie. And the the basic premise of The Gut Movie was to uh, see and gauge the different um, gut microbiota populations across um, different cultures. And um, in a roundabout sort of way, we decided that I would be the sort of guinea pig in this this film and uh, send myself to Namibia which is a West African country, and go and live with a tribe over there uh, called The Sun, uh, who are a Bushman people, and um, live with them and eat with them to see how my microbiome would change whilst I live with them. And um, throughout the movie, we actually jump back to Australia and and interview people like uh, Professor Thomas Barotti, who I mentioned before, and Professor Mimi Tang, who – was able to reverse peanut allergies using probiotic oral immunotherapy. Some really incredible practitioners, and um, what what resulted was this beautiful. And I'm still very, very proud of it. It's probably my my, my favourite the best thing that I've ever done um, was this very um, journey-based and very visually beautiful. I don't know if you know much about Namibia, but it's where they filmed Mad Max. So there's all this wonderful scenery which we were able to access and um, living with this beautiful tribe was also this incredible experience. So it's this very journalistic um, sort of SBS style, uh, Nat Geo style, if you will, um, documentary, which which we sort of screened around Australia and – shared the message of the gut microbiome, really, and investigated uh, whether we actually do know what an optimal microbiome looks like. And I guess the, long, the short answer to that is no, we don't, because it's different for every single person. And that's where um, an individualized approach to medicine is coming, and that's where also... Um, FMT gets really, really exciting. You know, are we moving to a point where we can actually shift someone's microbiome and subsequently shift their immune system into a more desirable state uh, using poo transplants? It's an an incredible uh, field. And, you know, with the movie, I was able to sort of demonstrate that. And um, whether we come to America, I don't don't know yet, but this year is the year of sort of distribution on the film. So, it will happen. Uh, I just don't know what format it will be in, whether we actually tour over there. Like you said, we toured um, in 13 locations in Australia. I've got another eight this year, and we sold out every single one of them. So it was pretty incredible. We had over 5,000 people come and see the film. So I think it would it would um, do well in America. So whether I come over or not, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But, um, I mean, people can see the film already in America if they go to thegutmovie.com. Um, and they can check it out on, on Vimeo and demand there, but hopefully, um, sometime this year we'll have it out on a, on a bigger platform over in, over in the States. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it was a really cool experience and certainly is a, is a good partner, partner product to the gut healing protocol, I think.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Kale, so much. So we're going to go to thegutmovie.com. And well, how else can we keep in touch with you? I know you got that great Instagram page. Uh, The surfers will be Uh happy to follow you there. (laughs) Tell us where else, uh, what we have going.
1: Sure. I mean, I'm on social media at Kale's Broccoli. So I've sort of rolled with my name there. Oh, I do want to point out that I didn't change my name when I was born. (laughs) Everybody loves asking me that question. That is the name I was given when I was born. Um, It's Kale Brock, and uh, I'm on social media at Kale's Broccoli, and um, yeah, you can check out my website. It's just kalebrock.com. But yeah, for the book, you can uh, jump onto Primal Blueprint, I guess.
0: I think some of those uh, freaky name experts where they're looking at the astrological signs and... Um, you know, thinking that your name can sometimes turn out to be your destiny if your if your last name is... Um, there was an Olympic high jumper whose last name was Leaper back in the day. And I, I just thought you know, there's a lot of examples like that. So good man, That's you're right. in there with the, the green plants and the healthy living. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for joining Kale and I. And go take a look at the book, The Gut Healing Protocol... It's, it's an incredible work, uh, and it's, it's done so well in Australia, one of the healthiest countries in the world, vying there. I don't know who's against you, New Zealand, Australia, uh, but you know, there's so many things going on there that are far more progressive than a, a bigger nation like us. So we're, we're getting the best from Australia, bringing it over here, and now the book's out. What a great celebration, and thanks for joining us on the show. Kale Brock and Brad Kearns, Primal Blueprint Podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Hi, it's Brad Kearns to tell you about Paleo Cooking Boot Camp. Oh, what fun. Finally, you have a chance to learn from a real professional about intentional cooking, where you maximize the efficiency of your time, dedicate two hours on the weekend to cooking, and Chef Katie French, the earth of ore, will take you through this incredible whirlwind cooking session where you cook enough in two hours to have ready-made delicious paleo approved meals for the entire week. Bootcamp.com. This is a digital version of her award-winning course that was given to students live in the Bay Area. And now, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you can have a step-by-step approach that makes it easy to succeed in the kitchen. Even if you're not a big foodie, even if you're a little intimidated about doing recipes, just push the play button and Katie will take you through the cooking course. It's a two-hour boot camp every weekend designed to last for a month and you will be with your paleo meals, just open up that refrigerator door. Imagine having all these delicious snacks and breakfast items, dinner entrees, dessert treats even. And let me tell you, I was on the set watching this whole production. It is the real deal. The food is absolutely amazing, and you will be surprised what you can accomplish in the kitchen with an intentional cooking method. There's no other course like this found in the world. We looked, believe me. So check out Paleo Cooking Boot Camp. Dot .com and enroll today